how they get you. Uh, this is a podcast where I talk to people who have beaten me in Malifaux and ask them how they did it. Uh, my name is Ted, uh, Hateful Dark Black on the Weird Forums, uh, and I'm here with Kevin, Nicodemic on the forums. Say hi. Hey. hey. And uh, we just played a game, uh, I think it was, was it yesterday or, I guess it was Saturday. Yeah, it was the day before. Uh, and uh, Kevin, as every game we have played, which is, this is the second, uh, beat the pants out of me. Uh, so let's talk about the game. Um, uh, Kevin, uh, so first, what were the game parameters of the game? All right, so we chose to play a game on Vassal. It was a secret MNSU base. Um, we randomized our encounter, and it was standard deployment with Reckoning. Um, the schemes were Line in Sand, Assassinate, Entourage, Plant Evidence, and Distract. And what was the end score? So at the end of the game, I ended up scoring 9 VP, and Ted here got 3 VP. And, and I believe to break that down, you got uh, three VP for reckoning, oh, three VP yeah, for I got entourage, three and three VP for plant evidence. Yep. And I believe I got uh, two VP for reckoning and one for line in the sands. Yep. So, what crew did you pick, and how do they work together? Okay, so the crew that I brought was a uh, Kirai. She had the Unforgiven upgrade, Swirling Aether, and Absorb Spirits. Um, I brought Lost Love, and then Datsubao with Spirit Whispers. Then Azamu, a Night Terror, Bet Noir, a Kruligan, and a Student of Steel. And um, uh, can you describe a little bit, just uh, like if, uh, if this were a football diagram uh, of like how things are set up and what models interact with it, uh, what models and what models pass things on to what models. What do they all do together? Can you describe the machinery of your crew? Yeah, absolutely. Um, when playing Kirai and looking at Kirai, a lot of people see her as kind of a the summoner. They they when a lot of resner resers when you see that summoning ability, that's kind of what you think they do. But I tend to play Kirai more as a support transporty sort of model. So, other spirits in my crew, being like Lost Love, Datsuba, and the Night Terror, I can easily move them around with Kirai, or mm -hmm. use like Lost Love or the Night Terror to launch Shazamu or Datsuba up the field if I needed to, which I did do. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, and in this particular game, being Reckoning, I chose Kirai because she and her totem have the ability called Malevolence. Um, whenever a friendly living or undead model within six inches is damaged by an attack action, she can discard a card or a soul stone and summon Ikirio into base contact with the model that damaged her model yeah. when that happens. Yeah, I mean, that's, uh, that's kind of the thing whenever I think about Karai and what to look out for. It's the jump scare of, like, you attacked something and I saw it, therefore an Ikirio appears next to me. Um, yeah, so, absolutely. So the kind of what it seemed like you were doing with your crew, you had some a few really heavy beaters, and that specifically is Amo the Armor, uh, the uh, Student of Steel, and once it came out, uh, the Akirio. and then you had a bunch of uh, 
fairly fast models that just jumped around. And those were kind of almost um, placeholders. So that was uh, uh, the Night Terror. Uh, once it came out, the Seishin that you summons, and a little <laughs> bit Lost Love. And you kind of used those as mobile platforms and swirled your big models in to fight. Uh, yeah, absolutely. And then uh, Bet Noir kind of jumped out when she could, and Datsuba kind of moved forward uh, at kind of a constant pace, bringing out more Seishin. Yeah, so she doesn't do terribly well as a beater herself, but she was running like uh, your anti-scheme runner just to tie you up a bit. Yeah. And while she's doing, while she's getting into position, yeah, she's popping out Seishin for Kirai. Yeah. Because uh, Kirai herself, when I with the way I took her, already has like three zero actions. Right. So, so having Dr. make those no Seishins is handy. All right. So what schemes did you pick and why? So the schemes that I picked, um, I chose to do Entourage. And I declared this one. Um, I picked this one specifically because Assassinate was also in the pool. So by getting my Entourage, I would deny Assassinate. Nice. Hopefully. You right. know. Um, and my other scheme that I chose was Plant Evidence. Figuring I'm already going to be trying to rush to the other side of the board so I can place some markers once I reach the halfway point. Right, yeah. Minus and, yeah as I went along. Excellent. Um and how did terrain affect the game? Um, terrain was interesting in this one because uh, the denseness of like the tunnels in this map kind of made a, a clustered area off to the right, but on the left we had a more open like a uh, platform area yeah. with you know some crates and stuff, but it was mostly open. Yeah, um, it seemed like kind of a lot. Of the this particular map was full of tunnels and things. And I think that because you had so many insubstantial models, you kind of breezed through it while I was just sort of like stumbling to get around a lot of the game, especially because I deployed on the closed side more than the than the open out left side. Yeah, absolutely. It kind of let me, it gave me the advantage because I could move around more freely than your crew. Yeah. Um, and definitely the, the tunnels and stuff served to kind of split off into two separate kind of battle zones going on. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there was kind of there was kind of the battle on the left and the battle on the right. The battle on the left sort of started where your Kruligan was and then where Bet Noir popped out. And as I threw resources there, that kind of built up until Datsubo was there and uh, the um, uh, the Sign of the Void and the Hodgepodge Emissary eventually crawled over there. Uh, and then your Night Terror got over there and you started dropping more resources there. And Akurio popped out there and left because that's what Akurio does. Uh, oh, yeah. No, the, the Night Terror can't place any markers, but yeah, he was in there to kind of be annoying. <laughs> right, right. Well, and it seemed like one of the things that Night Terror is great for in the crew that you had was a, a thing to swirl spirits onto. Yeah, absolutely. Being that a uh, Kirai's range for swirl spirits is uh, 12 inches, mm -hmm. and the walk for Night Terror is 6. So his walk twice is her maximum range. Yeah, that, pretty that much, worked so. really nicely for just a lot of mobility. So, um, what was your plan to win? Uh, at the start of the game, looking at it, how did you see yourself getting your VP? Um, for VP, I was counting on schemes. I had, at the beginning, no hopes of doing Reckoning. Mm -hmm. um, I've, I've always been terrible at Reckoning, so I didn't count on it. Mm -hmm. um, so what I did was focused on like placing all of my crew on one side, 
so the open area in the beginning mm -hmm. and kind of overpowering that side to deliver Kirai and hopefully use an extra free model, you know, to start placing the markers as we went as well. Yeah. yeah. And how did you end up actually winning? <laughs> so I, I managed to clear out that side that I wanted to, you, mm -hmm. launching up a Zamu and taking advantage of a, you know, some alpha striking there yeah. before I could get too much damage. Um, and then uh, from there, once I took out uh, larger models like uh, Ashes and Dust and kind of uh, killed one of the waifs, it mm -hmm. left that side pretty much open for me. Yeah. Um, you, one of your, your waif had to go all the way to the right side, kind of in the clustered tunnel area for Leviticus to be able to respawn. Right, and you were able so. to eventually by the end of the game, as that wave was kind of stumbling towards like some other large crew, you were able to sweep Kirai in and kill it. But by then, it was it was kind of a moot point. I think uh, uh, once you managed to put the resources in to knock down uh, Ashes and Dust, and that was, I think that was mostly Azamu who did that, and then the Akirio that popped up finishes, finished yeah. off. I had sacrificed Ashes and Dust, and then you brought in Izamu, who does tons of damage and, I believe, bypasses armor? Uh. He, uh, he does not. Um, when In the first turn, he went straight after Leviticus and killed right. him because right. he was still on the board. Um, and you kill him before he turns into a waif that essentially kills a waif. Right. You know, so. Um, but then afterwards, he was kind of just beating on a dust storm for a little bit. Uh -huh. And it wasn't until, like, Kirai and Akirio moved up that they actually took Ashes and Dust out. Right. And Kirai, so who was the one that was ignoring the armor? That's Akirio. Akirio, yeah. So, and that, so that when, definitely uh, knocked out the Ashen Core. Yeah, so when you attacked Izamu with the, the Dust Storm, I was able to summon her out. Mm -hmm. And then she was close enough to the Ashen Core, or the Core, um, to claw him and all she needs to do is minimum damage twice because she ignores his armor right and that and doing minimum damage on a defense one model is not too hard uh yeah <laughs> yeah and i think that that pretty much started getting you racking up points on uh the reckoning and then at that point yeah you pretty much had both peace and activation advantage and just kind of slowly leveraged it got your two models killed each turn Mostly, I mean, sometimes by killing my big models and sometimes by killing my little models. And uh, managed to get all the reckoning points, even though you weren't expecting to. Yeah, and that's super great with Kirai. Like, even though I wasn't doing any, like, major summoning, the Sation themselves provide a good, like, activation control. Yeah. After a little bit, once I get two or three of them up there, you know. So, uh, what problems did you have and how did you overcome them? So we'll we'll start with problem number one. What problem number one came up, and how did you overcome it? Um, the for the ma for a major problem that I had, um, it would definitely be how card hungry the crew is for Kirai. Mm -hmm. Um, to use malevolence, you have to chuck cards or soul stones, which I'd prefer it to be cards. Anyone would. Um, so that means you have to kind of. You know, if you have some low cards in your hand, you don't mind throwing them. But if they're all moderates or severes, it's kind of a serious decision you need to make. Mm -hmm. And then on top of that, I need cards for the rest of my crew. So, theoret 
you know, for me, I would normally only bring out a curio maybe once or twice a turn. Because mm-hmm. I don't want to burn my whole hand on that. I need uh, something yeah. for offense and defense. And so um, that was just a matter of being cautious and how you're spending your cards then? Yeah, so that's why, like, during the game, I was I let Azamu die. Uh-huh. I, I had the cards to save him up and, you know, give you some negatives and hopefully reduce that damage. And the same with a student of steel. But I was like, I may need these or I may need a curio later or something of that nature. So, yeah. And also a lot of uh, the abilities for Kirai and her zeros require some suits. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then. So like. A, oh, go ahead. Yeah. The uh, I, I think another problem that came up for you that kind of I think surprised us both about uh, turn two or three, we realized that. Uh, the Abomination kind of does a good job of shutting down Bette Noire's one with a knight. Yes, that that kind of put me in a little bit of a panic mode. Yeah. Because I, I had a 10 in hand, but it was uh, Tomes, mm-hmm. and the suit that she needs for her target number is Crow. And so, usually that's built in, but Abomination cancels that uh, with uh, uh, cancels that uh, all suits to casting within two inches. So once I got the abomination there, I was able to make that harder. And I think that you kind of at that point um, started paying more attention to protecting Bat Noir until you could yes. take care of that. Yeah, I definitely, for the rest of that turn, I was throwing all my cards at her, um, mm-hmm. trying to keep her on the board, hoping that next turn when I drew my hand, I would get at least a 10 or higher with crows. Uh, you know. And did you? Oh, yeah. Yeah, no, it was a, a 13 of crows, but it was worth it to save bet. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so uh, what other uh, problems came up that you managed to overcome? Um, that was... Those two were definitely my main. Um, other than that, it, it the terrain itself um, definitely made it difficult because, like I said, I, I took the, the open spot on the left, but the right side was clustered. So even though I could move my models up pretty far and kind of swirl things around, I still didn't quite have the line of sight. I needed to do all of that. Oh, yeah. As as well as, like, my malevolence, I had to actually run Lost Love up into, like, the middle of the conflict to put out that malevolence aura, you know, and put them in danger. And you kind of ended up putting Lost Love, like, kind of out in the open just to make sure that Lost Love could get line of sight on that fight. Um, and, yeah, and drop a curio in the middle of there. And yeah, exactly. That, to that help prevent you, you, but it was definitely a risk. So, um, one one thing that definitely scared me is uh, when you moved up Leviticus. I think it was turn three, and you shot at Bet Noir. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I when I saw you move him up, I was deathly afraid you were going to shoot a Datsuba. Oh yeah. Um. That, that would have been a lot better for you instead of shooting at Bet because she was standing out there in the open on her own, and right. she's only six wounds, like, incorporeal and defense six. Right. So and Leviticus could have went through that no problem. Right. Well, Leviticus attacks willpower, at least, with his uh, ranged attack. So, yeah, that oh. was... Um, yeah. Uh, and I guess the way you overcome that was I just hadn't noticed that. Um, yeah. So, uh, what, uh, what opportunities came up, uh, that you ended up taking? What kind of things, 
uh, where like you had an opportunity to do something or I had made a mistake and you got to take you know take advantage of it. Uh, can you talk about some of those that came up? Yeah, and it was definitely, yeah, like uh, we said earlier, turn one with the Zamu swirling up for Ashes and Dust. Mm-hmm. Um, definitely taking out one of the Waifs of Leviticus. That helped me out in the long run by kind of removing one of the more solid anchor points in yeah. the center. And then by, I guess, harassing Asses and Dust and, you know, working on him, I was able to remove that anchor on the left side as well. Mm-hmm. So and uh, that kind of freed me up. Yeah. And I remember you speaking on a different podcast about how you have issues uh, moving up your master too far. <laughs> yes. Yes, I do. Which is why I usually play Leviticus, because I can move up my master too far and then make it disappear. But uh, this time I didn't do that in my first round and uh, paid the price for it. Um, yeah. So uh, any other opportunities like that came up where you noticed the thing and took it. I mean, it seems like um, getting VP, uh, there were there, there was plenty of opportunity, there was plenty of terrain around, and you just kind of, starting around turn three or four, just if there was nothing else to attack, you would just move up and drop something next to terrain to get your planned evidence. And then yeah. Entourage, Karai can kind of breeze through Entourage if she's not threatened because she can move a spirit up, swirl spirits to get to it, and just get to the opponent deployment zone. Yeah, she's a, her, her zero is called split, placed into the spirit world. So yeah, she can uh, place up to eight inches away and then kind of walk off and do whatever she wants. Yeah. Um, definitely another opportunity was uh, when I had your waif on the right side down to two wounds. Uh-huh. I was hoping to swirl up Kirai, her blast it, but I didn't have the card, so I was able to use a Night Terror, and against all odds, was able to charge in there and take it out. <laughs> yeah, that and that kind of stopped me from bringing back Leviticus. Uh, just having that night, the Night Terror has an attack of five, and uh, the uh, Hollow Wave has a defense of six. But I think you had some card advantage on me at that point. But also, I think you were just kind of taking a shot and hoping it would work out, and it did. And that was a, a pretty yeah. good calculated risk because. You were you were risking uh, Night Terror, which is a three soul stone model, uh, to take out uh, Leviticus, who is a master. So definitely worth yeah. the risk, and uh, and it paid off really nicely. Yeah, it definitely worked out, but I wasn't I wasn't counting on it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I was hoping. What was uh, the best moment of the game for you? Um. It was definitely that turn with uh, Bet Noir just holding her own against, like, was it three or four models yeah. swinging at her? Like, the Scion came after her, and I think the Hodgepodge Emissary took a pot shot, and Abomination came at her, and she didn't have her resurrection abilities. Uh, and yeah. she, she still is just like, can't catch me, I'm the gingerbread man. Yeah, I, I threw, like, pretty much all my cards at her to keep her alive for that. But, it, well, yeah, it was like four or five models all taking shots at her. Yeah. So um, uh, two more questions I wanted to ask. And these weren't in the um, the list of questions that I sent you, but I just thought of them now, and this is my first show. So I'm taking liberties with the format. Um, <laughs> question one, uh, what advice do you have for other Kirai players? Um... Definitely don't get too caught up on the summoning aspect. Mm-hmm. Um, the summoning is great, 
But if you think about it, you're adding an extra model to your crew, but the total amount of wounds in your crew is staying about the same because each of those models is taking half the damage of the summoned model. Mm -hmm. So you're kind of thinning out your crew. So you'll need to make sure... Like, if you, if you do go that route, make sure you have summoning, but try not to do that too much mm -hmm. and, like, thin yourself out too mo too much, you know? Yeah. Um, Any other advice? Um, yeah. And definitely... <laughs> sorry um, I caught you I, uh, th this one I didn't warn you about sorry about that um, it seemed like a thing that you were leveraging a lot was kind of balancing between uh, could I providing mobility versus mm -hmm. providing attack and it yeah. seems like it was about two thirds mobility and one third attack yeah so realize yeah she can do some decent damage on her own Especially since our cast attack is like a 12-inch range, mm -hmm. and it doesn't randomize into engagements. That was nasty, So you yeah. can do something like a swirl up a Zamu into the a middle of a crowd, and Kirai can come off and pick out specific models while they're all tied up in melee. Um, but other than that, I would definitely say if you have anything that uh, does card draw, any sort of card cycling... Mm -hmm. Um, so something like absorb spirit where you can sacrifice sensation and draw some cards or fill up with, uh, removing friendly scheme markers for drawing cards. Mm -hmm. Um, just because if you want to use that malevolence as much as possible, um, you don't want to empty your whole hand to do it. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, next question, uh, what you were playing against Leviticus, um, what advice do you have for people who are playing against Leviticus? Um, so definitely keep track of the waifs, realize, you know, where he might spawn, um, try and get a look at like what the schemes are and see like what his priorities may be. So if it's, uh, you know, um, make them suffer where like your weaker minions in comparison to the waifs might he come out there to pick off some easy targets and disappear again. Mm -hmm. Um, and then also, if I rem remember correctly, it's his casting attack at range that has uh, ignores armor, hard to wound, and etc. Yeah. Yeah, so if you can um, engage him in melee before he activates, if I remember correctly too, his melee doesn't have any of that. Correct, yeah. He can, yeah, he can discard for plus flips on damage, and he can channel and all that, but he will not be ignoring your hard to wound or armor or hard to kill yeah. if you can engage him before he can actually activate. And I know when I'm playing Leviticus, that's actually sometimes it's worth it, especially if I'm going against a high willpower model. Uh, I'll, mm -hmm. I'll charge in with melee. But a lot of times, if I need to do that, I'm actually going to use uh, it's sometimes worth it to me to use my zero action, which means leaving Leviticus out, just to mm -hmm. jump to an undead model. Uh, so yeah. I can get my ranged attack again. Uh, and I've got disposable undead models because I'm playing Leviticus, so uh, a lot of times that actually will be a big threat to me, is when something is in my face, I'll actually jump out of the way so I can get some ranged shots at it because that's the way I bypass defenses. Um, yeah, definitely. All right, fantastic. Um, 
And uh, I think uh, that about wraps it up. Um, congratulations on your triumphant success. And thank you for being uh, the first guest on this show. Um, yeah, thank you. Uh, anything you want to plug or stuff you want to talk about that's uh, uh, something you want to get off your chest to tell the podcast listening audience? <laughs> no, I think I'm good. <laughs> All right. Uh, awesome. Thanks for appearing on the show. 